In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Merry Christmas, Craig. Merry Christmas, Carla. Almost Merry Christmas. It's not going to be a fully Merry Christmas? Well, it's, it's almost Merry Christmas. Almost Christmas. Oh, okay. <laughs> is what I meant to say. Right. We're like, what, four days out? Five days out? I believe we're five days out. Cool. Oh, Bronco wants on the couch. Hold on. Are you there still? <laughs> it's me, Margaret. Who? Margaret. Margaret who? <laughs> this isn't a knock-knock <laughs> joke. doing a knock-knock <laughs> joke? What's happening? You said, are you there still? I said, it's me, Margaret. Oh, no. It's, are you there, God? Oh. <laughs> Wait, are we... Are we talking about Judy Bloom today? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a Carla's list. So it's up to you for what you want to talk about. There has there been a great Judy Bloom movie? I don't think so. Has there been a Judy Bloom movie? I don't think there has been one. Really? Not even one? Crazy, isn't it? Missed opportunity. Yeah. She must not want to sell it, huh? I don't think she wants her books to be adopted into movies. Adopted? Adapted. I don't know. I like to adopt books every now and then. <laughs> Carla, what are we talking about today? <laughs> right. Welcome to Carla's quotes. God. I mean, Carla's movie. <laughs> Craig just dropped the Zoom on the floor. Animals are crawling all over him. We're still going? Are we still going? We're still going. <laughs> so now you uh, sweet listeners, dear listeners, can understand why Craig hosts the show and not me. <laughs> we're two minutes in it. and it's a goddamn train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> it's chaos from the moment go when I'm hosting. Uh, okay. Was that your opening bit? Yeah. That was my opening <laughs> bit. <laughs> I don't have an opening bit, but here's the okay. thing. Today we're going to be talking about two of Carla's favorite Christmas movies. I don't want to say these are my favorite movies of all time, but certainly around the holidays, these are two uh, movies that I watch every year. That is true. The first is White Christmas, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the second one <laughs> is Christmas Vacation. They both have the word Christmas they in there. They both have the word Christmas. They are totally, completely two <laughs> opposite types of movies, but they share the same genre in that they're both holiday films. Oh, okay. For the whole family. <laughs> are they for the whole family? Yeah. I saw Christmas Vacation in the theater when I was a kid. Wow. And my family and I watch it every year together okay. when we would spend Christmases together. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a while since I've seen it with them, but now I watch it with you in the background reading and doing, you're doing crossword puzzles. Yeah. I think, uh, the whole time we've been together, you probably have watched these movies every Christmas, but I had not seen either of them before, uh, dating you. Mm -hmm. 
And until we watched them recently for this podcast, I had not watched either movie from start to finish. I just kind of knew parts of it because you were always playing them during uh, the holidays. Or if they were on TV, you'd kind of put them on in the middle or, or whatever. White Christmas, I think we've probably seen the first half hour five times. Really? Yeah, maybe. Wow. Uh, but I don't know. The last hour of it was completely unfamiliar to me. Christmas Vacation, the whole thing was pretty familiar, but I had never sat down and watched the whole thing chronologically. <sighs> well, we changed that this year for we you. We did. <laughs> I had the full double feature experience. Um, so White Christmas is a movie starring Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, Vera Ellen, and Dean Jagger. Do you know who Jean- Dean Jagger was? Yeah, he was the general. Yeah, he was my favorite character in that okay. movie. Um, I forgot to look up who directed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe Michael Curtiz directed it, Who's the, who directed Casablanca. Oh, crazy. Um, and it's, is it Irving Berlin just wrote the music, right? Yes. But it's uh, called Irving Berlin's White Christmas, isn't it? Because Irving Berlin, I, I believe Erling, Erling Berven. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we saw the Erling Berven version. Right. It's really low rent. Uh, I believe Irving Berlin wrote all the music for White Christmas. I don't know if they, they were actually written for that movie. Because gotcha. the song White Christmas, I believe, was written for the movie Holiday Inn. Oh, that's right. I have that written down. <laughs> Here's how I do my research on my movies. Do you want to know? Yes. I go to IMDb. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I look at the trivia section. And that's the extent of my research. Uh, Carla, I'm going to admit that I have done that many times for every movie that we've done. Awesome. Yes. Benny wants to play right now, of course. Benny, go away. Um, Benny's our dog, in case you didn't know one of them. <laughs> so we're living in a... Let's just talk about ourselves for a second. <laughs> If this is all over the place, no, you know what my mind is like. My brain is like, uh, we're living in a small one bedroom apartment in, uh, the Pearl District in Portland, a couple blocks from Powell's bookstore. And we have all three animals here and it's a fucking nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) I regret adopting all of them. (laughs) Oh, Carla, come on. It's the holidays. Uh, it's been tough, hasn't it? It has been tough. This is about half the size of our place in LA. Yeah. And, and we have a small place in LA. We have a small place in LA too, but this is, this is very tiny. And, uh, definitely all three animals are up in our grill. The con- whole time. Constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Bronco's on his way out. <laughs> He's not feeling so good. <laughs> He's an old guy. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, he's <laughs> he's father time, and maybe there'll be a baby New Year kitten. No way, coming along. We're done with cats. <laughs> Too much work, but we love you, Bronco. We do Don't worry, love- we'll take care of you till the end, buddy. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> uh, back to White Christmas. Uh, so I first saw this movie. I think I was a teenager. Okay. Are you surprised? No. Okay. Because you were very show busy. As a teen, was I? <laughs> I mean, in mean? terms of like old school, like Broadway musicals, oh, you yeah. loved Barbara Streisand. Oh my gosh, I loved Barbara Streisand. Was White Christmas something you watched with your grandma or your mom? I think my mom. Okay. 
Um, but I remember it was on when I was a kid. I think I experienced it as a kid, as you've experienced it the past 10 years with me, which is it would be on and my mom was watching it and I'd come in and see parts of it. And then when I was a teenager, I finally sat down and watched the whole thing. And I was like, this is the greatest movie of all time <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> um, I just loved the musical numbers. Uh, and the costumes are so beautiful. It's like that perfect blend of old Hollywood, um, like romanticism. Uh, and plus Bing Crosby's in it, who was always being played around the holidays in my house. My grandma loved Bing Crosby and she had all of his records. And so I grew up listening to him. And, and on top of that, Rosemary Clooney was in it, who's from, uh, in general, the same part of the country that yeah, I'm from. Yeah, she's from Cincinnati. The yeah. Clooney's are a big deal. Uh, I'm actually from Kentucky. Yes. Right across the border from Cincinnati from a place called uh, Park Hills, which is right next to Covington. If anybody knows this area, they'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and the Clooney's were, are one of the only famous families um, who are from that area but are actually from the Kentucky side and not the Ohio side. Okay. So they're from Maysville. Yes. So Nick Clooney and George Clooney, all the Clooney's were from that area. So anyways, um, so she's a local girl made good. Exactly. And Nick Clooney was the, when I was growing up, he was the AMC host. Yeah. But my parents knew him as a news anchor from Cincinnati. And that's George's dad. That's George's dad. Correct. And Yeah. Anyways, but they're also, here's another fun fact is, I mean, people would know this if they know anything about George Clooney, but that whole family is incredibly liberal, like progressive, uh, which is unheard of in that part of the country. Right. Uh, everybody is conservative. Um, so the Clooney's haven't managed to convert to everyone. Yeah, but it's just really, but it's funny because the conservatives still claim the Clooney's as their own <laughs> from Kentucky. So they're proud of them. <laughs> yes, but... Exactly. Uh, it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Anyway, that's my personal connection to White Christmas. Um, oh, and my mom and her sister, my aunt, would always sing Sisters together. Really? And they're like not show busy or performery at all. Uh huh. Like not at all. Like they don't perform ever. Like they're not actors or comedians or anything. They never sang. <laughs> they didn't take dance classes, <laughs> but they loved the song. And. Would, would they like, do a whole choreographed act to it? No, but they would just like, you know, sit around the table riff, riffing on it, yeah. singing it. It was really cute. It's a weird song. Sisters. I love it. Why is it weird? <laughs> Lord help the sister. No, Lord help the mister that comes between, between me, and me and my sister. sister. And Lord, Lord help, help the, the sister, sister that comes between, between me and my man. man. Why? That seems like a very clearly defined relationship. <laughs> Everybody's know, everyone knows how they're expected to act. <laughs> I don't I know. I guess it's <laughs> good, good to draw boundaries. Yeah. But do you think that last line means that I suspect that my sister, my blood relation might uh, try to horn in on my man or, or are they just using sister in a general term to refer to all women? No, I think they're talking about their sister, her sister, their really? sister. Okay. Um, but I also think you're taking it way too literally. <laughs> I think it's like a wink, wink, haha, aren't we funny kind of thing. I think, I think it's, it's a, a joke. It's a weirdly paranoid note to end the song on. I think it's a joke where they're like, haha, 
we like to rib each other. Well, let's talk to er- Erling Berben. <laughs> <laughs> Erling? Uh, yeah. So anyway. Um, I, I do like the song. In all seriousness, I think it's a cute song. So supposedly, according to IMDb, which who knows, because uh, there's a part where Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby then sing sisters and they kind of dress like them yeah. while the sisters are trying to escape. <laughs> Apparently, that wasn't in the script and they were just messing around on set one day and they decided to film that, which I don't think can be true. But according to IMDb, that's the truth. And so when Bing Crosby's like laughing, he does look like he's genuinely laughing yeah in this when he's doing the song uh supposedly that was all captured in the moment and not rehearsed for for craig's listeners what is the story of white christmas oh but they can watch it (laughs) (laughs) the story is that bing crisby (laughs) bong crisby it's like 10 a.m there's been no drinking at all. Um, Bong Crisby and Diney K. <laughs> and Danny K. You can't reverse the vowels with his name because they're the same. <laughs> Bing Crosby and Danny K are in the Korean War together. I believe it's the Korean War. No. <laughs> World War II. <laughs> One of the wars. <laughs> Yeah, it's World War Two, right? The the movie opens with it's in 1944, and it's them serving in World War Two. Okay, but let's be fair; it's not like they show the dates of the movies. (laughs) They do, they do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's be fair. I believe the movie opens. Who cares? 1944. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so anyway, they're in a war together, (laughs) and their general. Um, is leaving the uh-huh. war. He's done with his tour of duty. So they're throwing a party for him and they sing to him and it's re- very sweet. Uh, he leaves and then, uh, Danny Kay saves Bing Crosby. He like pushes him out of the way of a falling wall. Yeah. And so Danny Kay then kind of talks Bing Crosby into returning the favor by becoming. <laughs> <laughs> Because I saved your life, I now have to be your singing partner for yeah. the rest of our lives. So he's like, let's, I have wrote some songs, because Bing Crosby's character is... He's already he's a celebrity already when he's in the war. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, let's sing some songs together. And so Bing Crosby kind of gets talked into it. And then they have this amazing... <laughs> like a newspaper flash thing where it's like they show you all the things that happen which is that these two guys become like famous as a touring duo act talk about old school i mean this is the era where you could just do flashing newspaper headlines to tell an entire story so it covers which i love yeah it it, it gets rid of so much boring stuff takes about two (laughs) two minutes to go through their entire rise to the top yeah um and so then I guess it's like 10 years later. Yeah. Is the idea they meet, meet these girls, these women, these two sisters who are also in a duo. Oh God, this is so boring. You guys should really just watch them. Well, it's, I mean, it's a real thin plot, but that's typical of like musicals sure. at the time. It's okay. Hold on. Hold on. Let me get back on track. Let me get back on track. I promise I'm going to do this right. So then the girls, um, the one sister, not Rosemary Clooney, but the other one. Vera Ellen. Vera Ellen. She's like wanting to hook her sister up. 
and like for her sister to get married. Find and, her a man. And Danny Kay wants to hook Bing Crosby up. So they come up with this plot to get the two of them together. But it's kind of like a typical Mr. Darcy, Elizabeth Bennett relationship where she misunderstands what he's saying and doing and he misunderstands her and so they don't really like each other. But then throughout the course of this movie, they start to fall in love. So they all go to this <laughs> lodge in Vermont. Yes. Um, because the girls have a show there. And when it's unseasonably they, warm, too. It's unseasonably warm, uh, precursor to global warming. Um, and they, when they get there, the general owns the lodge and he's going to be bankrupt from this lodge because nobody's coming to the lodge. So Danny Kay and Bing Crosby create this whole show where they're going to have all these people come into town and stay at the lodge in honor of their general. And it's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) And I sobbed again. (sighs) It's so sweet with the general stuff. Like, I don't know, something about an old man who wants to go back to war just because he misses it makes me want to cry so hard. And I do. I cry every time I see this movie. Okay, so that's the general plot. Did I hit everything? That's the general, general plot. Uh, yes. Great. Yeah. I mean, it's basically a let's put on a show movie. Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's really fun. It's a thin plot to hang some production numbers. The on. thing is, is that everybody is so good. The four of these people are so good at the thing that they're supposed to be doing in this movie, which is Bing Crosby just like looking and acting charming and sounding amazing, right? Rosemary Clooney having a beautiful voice. Vera Ellen, just like this incredible dancer. Like she's one of the best dancers I've ever seen. Uh, and Danny Kaye just like being funny. Yeah. You know, um, they all do it so well and they're all so perfectly cast. You can, It's like you don't have to really worry watching this movie. You can just sit back and enjoy the ride <laughs> and not worry that anything bad's going to happen or that anybody is going to surprise you or start acting like they shouldn't be acting. I will agree about the charms of the stars. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the main reason to watch it of like, it's, it's breezy and charming. And if you don't think too much about it, but having to watch all, like all two hours of it, like two hours, it feels padded out to two hours mm-hmm. because not only is the, the plot very thin, uh, but then there's all these phony complications uh you know hinging on a misunderstanding right which i didn't even really understand no you didn't what she thought was going to happen it was something where she thought that he was well let's go through craig's quotes and we'll get there okay hold on i have to find them (laughs) hold on touch of evil no that's next week (laughs) um hold on this is christmas vacation um all right. It took me a while to find the notes, <laughs> but I found them, you guys. <laughs> okay. I'm also covering two movies here, so I have all my notes for Christmas Vacation in the place. <laughs> it's not so easy to host a podcast, is I it? I never said it was. Every time we do this, I'm like, thank you for hosting because <laughs> I fucking hate hosting. <laughs> what about Improv Yak? I'm really <clears throat> fine with that because I don't ever have to prepare anything. Uh, okay. So... These are Craig's Croats. <laughs> She's feeling her oats and Carla's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Craig's Oats. <laughs> uh, so the movie starts and you said, uh, Edith Head did the costuming. 
And I know who that is. <laughs> yeah. I rarely know people that you're talking about, but I know who that is. She did the costuming for everything. She's the costume designer. She's the costume lady. Yeah. Um, I mean, for a movie uh, of this era, she probably, you know, did the costumes on half of them. Mm-hmm. You see her a lot. Right. Um, but I always just think of the lady from The Incredibles. Yep. Who was uh, inspired by Edith Head. Yeah. Uh, so this is the first picture in VistaVision. Did you know that? I did notice uh, as it was starting that it was in widescreen. Uh, and Vista Vision, I was not familiar with, but obviously that this is the time, the mid fifties where Hollywood movies started going wide. So I looked up what exactly Vista Vision was and it wasn't just going wide. It was actually going taller. Oh, I think I read that right. <clears throat> um, so it was, it's considered like the first experiment in high definition and it's why, uh, any movies made in Vista Vision look actually pretty good. On the high def TVs of today. Yeah, it did look really good. I agree. So that's kind of cool. The colors are very cool in the movie too. Oh wait, I wrote down same director as Casablanca. Oh, you must have said that. <laughs> <laughs> and I I wrote it down, but I didn't hear it. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um. So it opens up, and they're at war, Korean War, World War Two, World War One. <laughs> Vietnam, we're not sure. Iraq, maybe. Um, <laughs> and no, just kidding. It was World War Two, and um, it looks like a set, which is really funny. Uh, oh no. Okay, so they open up and they're doing their show, and they're clearly in front of a backdrop. Yes. And then they pull back, and they're clearly in a 1950s movie set. <laughs> but the map on the back ground looks fake so the other stuff doesn't look as fake i guess yeah. is the idea <laughs> it's a fun little bit of misdirection yeah i mean it it opens on a little joke that this is a fake background but then you see the clearly actual fake background right um so you said they fooled us with that haha uh so they <laughs> God, I'm terrible at this. So he starts singing White Christmas. And you're like, whoa, right out of the gates. <laughs> Which is so, I didn't thought about it before. But you're right. Like, it kind of blows the whole ending when he sings White Christmas in the, in the first two minutes of the movie. It's like, we know why you're here, folks. You're here to hear White Christmas. <laughs> Let's just get it out of the way. Oh, yeah. So funny. Because uh, Holiday Inn, I think, came out in 1942, and mm-hmm. White Christmas was the biggest selling single of all time. Not just Christmas. Any song ever, like, it sold more copies than anything. Like, it's the biggest hit That's of so all crazy. time. Uh, so this is the first time there's a movie called White Christmas. So obviously, you know, you're going to lead off with your hit right away. And then, of course, sing it at the end, right. too. Um, but it is, even though on paper that sounds like the worst idea, I love it so much yeah. <laughs> and it makes me start to cry right away. Like it makes me fall in love with the movie right away. And then they have the, um, the whole like little song that they sing for the general, which is, uh, we'll follow the old man wherever he may go. And he just starts tearing up and I just, I'm crying in the first five minutes of the movie. It's crazy. What is it about old guys? And like men being sweet 
to other men that makes me <laughs> sob so hard. Well, you always make fun of me for my father-son stuff, but... Uh, but I understand it. Yeah. I, I make fun of you just because it's fun to make fun of you, but I totally get it. Like that Road to Perdition movie. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah. That father-son relationship like tears me apart. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. I wonder if Dean Jagger was actually younger than Bing Crosby. He was, I think. Yeah. I think, yeah, I wrote that down somewhere. He was. Because it looks like definitely in the later scenes that they've given him some old man makeup uh, a bit. Yeah. But, but he uh, he gives a really sweet and wonderful performance, I think. He does. He's so um, just sweet and wonderful. <laughs> Where'd you just. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so then they get, start getting bombed. As, <laughs> as will happen in World War II. And that's when Danny Kay pushes Bing Crosby out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Craig said, I feel like modern screenplays are really losing the ability to forge story via newspaper headlines. Because <laughs> for the next couple of minutes, it's just all through newspaper headlines, which I love. Like, that's a trope that I would welcome back yeah. into movies. <laughs> now, what is it now? Just swiping on your news app? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> swipe, 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 swipe. Do you know, because um, you never did Tinder, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see, Carla. When did the Tinder app come out? It came out. After we were together. <laughs> Not, I, probably after we were married as well. So, Well, um, so I was in an improv scene the other day and I was swiping right a lot. Uh-huh. And somebody afterwards told me that I said yes to all those guys. <laughs> So I think right is yes and left is no, but I never thought about it. I just was swiping in my improv scene. But you were in a scene where you were on Tinder? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was just like swiping right. And you were imagining you're just scrolling through. Yes, exactly. Like you were communicating to the audience who's saying yes, yes, to yes, all yes, the guys. yes. Okay. Anyway, I, funny. I've never done any sort of dating app. But don't you, aren't you happy that I just told you what it means so that when you're in an improv scene, you know what to do? <laughs> so you can be current with the kids? Yeah. I really want to impress the kids by swiping correctly. All right. Um, I hope I do not end up in any improv scenes where I'm on Tinder. So I then said about White Christmas, I would dress like all the men in this movie. <laughs> the way that Danny Kay is dressed in every scene is so great. He's just like wearing, I don't know, like, like beige clothes, uh-huh. <laughs> which I love, but like loose shirts, button down shirts. I don't know. I just, it's like, I could wear all of those clothes. Okay. Um, now and I know I what will. to get you for Christmas. I'm wearing man pants right now too. Uh, and then there's that, who's that actress who's like, every time they ask her how she's doing in it, she's like, mutual, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I don't. I thought you knew who she was. No, I guess she became a a famous actress after this movie. Okay, and she was in a lot of things. But uh, so she's just like an actress who's like hanging around the showbiz people in this. And at first, you're like, oh, that's Marilyn Monroe, and then she starts to talk, and you're like, no, it's not. Yeah, well, I mean, it's an archetype of a dumb blonde that you saw in a lot of movies at the time, right? So, what does mutual? I'm sure mean. Because I feel like that's something that... Is that somebody's catchphrase? Yeah. Or is that her catchphrase? I don't know. Oh, my God. I need you to host this <laughs> so you can figure out what's going on. Um, 
So your research ended before mutual, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so then I said, everyone has amazing hair and teeny waists, which is true. And which is really fun about it. I don't know. Is that wrong to say? I think that Vera Ellen, Ellen, whatever her name was, maybe was, I had read she was like anorexic or something. Yes. But she is perfectly not, she's, okay, how can I explain what I'm trying to say? She isn't how I would want to look in real life, but in terms of just like 50s glamour dancer, she's so perfectly shaped. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's doing crazy things lips with their legs and like and her stuff legs like that. are incredible i don't know how she got them to move <laughs> the way that she did it looks <clears throat> it looks like toothpicks almost almost yeah moving around she has a very unusual physique but uses it well yeah uh and and her dancing all of her numbers are really cool like she doesn't look fragile in any of her dance numbers. I mean, she would have to be an incredible athlete to do the things right. that she's doing. But so, she's yeah. so tiny. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, I could watch any of her dance numbers a million times over again. Um, so then, uh, so the whole time Danny Kay and Vera Allen are like conspir- conspiratorial. Yeah. Like, uh, they're, they're conspiring. That's the word. They're conspiring to get, uh, her sister and his friend together. So they're kind of like hiding behind them and like rubbing their hands together and smirking and laughing. And Greg said, they're really the Jack and Karen of this whole thing, (laughs) (laughs) which was your best quote for the whole thing. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, big Will and Grace fan. So every time I see this movie, I, I keep expecting that Bing Crosby and Vera Ellen are going to get together and Danny Kay and Rosemary Clooney just because Vera Ellen is more of the conventionally like beautiful, like romantic right. type, mm-hmm. but she's actually more of like the character role. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that always strikes me as weird. Yeah. That's interesting, huh? Um, she's supposed to be the younger sister by a lot, I think in this and Rosemary actually, Clooney is like seven years younger than her in real life. Yeah. Weird. 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 <laughs> uh, by the way, we looked up how old Rosemary Clooney was in this what? versus Bing, Cris- Bing Crisby. <laughs> <laughs> Bong Crisby. Uh, Rosemary Clooney, 26. Bing Crisby. <laughs> 51, right? <laughs> that is so gross. Twi- twice her age. Yeah. Uh, I, other than going my way, which uh, won the uh, Oscar for Best Picture in 1944, and I have seen all of the Oscar-winning pictures. I believe this and Going My Way are the only things I've ever seen Bing Crosby in. Oh, I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything else. Other than White Christmas? Yeah. Uh, I've never seen a road movie. Mm-hmm. He and Bob Hope did these road movies. Right. They did like a dozen of them. I've never seen one of those. Uh, the, I bet I've seen one of those. The Sorry. Country Girl is a movie that he made with Grace Kelly. I've never seen Holiday Inn. Uh, but I gotta say, like, he, for a guy who's known for being a singer, like, he's a very natural actor. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very relaxed and real. Uh, he's not stilted in any way of, like, he just looks very comfortable. He handles dialogue very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember liking him and going my way, too. Also, he has the bluest eyes I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Yeah. Do they like paint over his eyes? I think they're real. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, so then I, you know, we had talked about how he has all of these 
like abuse claims by his kids, but I actually looked it up and it's just one kid and the other kid, his other kid defended him to his death. Okay. So I don't know. Let's just say that he didn't abuse his kids (laughs) (laughs) for the purposes of my enjoyment of this film. Believe victims unless I know. Unless what about like if current. it's 50 years later? Oh, Carla. <laughs> we'll edit that. I'm just kidding, you guys. Of course, I believe his son. But uh, I don't know. It's so. It's like uh, Woody Allen. He's got one, no, kid, one kid accusing him and one kid defending him, right? Nope. Uh, Woody Allen is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was fun. I'm glad we went down that path. Um. After we had said we weren't going to talk about that stuff. Uh, so this is the point in the movie right when he and Rosemary Clooney fight for the second time that I say that I said, I don't think I like this movie as much as I thought I did. <laughs> Here's the thing, listeners and Craig Kakowski. I it had been years since I had watched it from start to finish. <laughs> it does. It does not hold up as a plot. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Carla's list crumble before my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> so there's this thing where he's on the phone and he's planning the show for the general and the general's housekeeper listens in and she overhears the producer saying how they're going to make all this money off the general and how it's going to be this great big thing where well, they'll, they'll make the general cry in front of all these people. And so she then tells Rosemary Clooney's character that the general is going to be mortified and humiliated all for money so that Bing, Bing Crosby can make money. So Rosemary Clooney gets very upset. She doesn't talk to him about it. <laughs> she just gets mad at him. And then she leaves town. She finds out later that he's not going to do that, that he is really just doing a tribute to the general. <laughs> but then they never – she comes back and they get back together, but they never talk about the misunderstanding. Yeah. It doesn't – it's weird. <laughs> It's the classic, uh, what Roger Ebert would refer to as the idiot plot. Yeah. Which is, if either character said exactly what they were thinking or feeling, the plot would, the movie would end. Because, right. you know, so they, they draw out like another 45 minutes yeah. from this movie based on this dumb misunderstanding. Yeah. Yeah. That Craig didn't, Craig didn't understand, so we had to rewind it and watch it again, that part, and you still didn't understand the, no. the misunderstanding. It's so weird. Um, so, okay. So that's fair. I, I completely agree. Like that's really dumb. And it had been a long time since I'd watched this from start to finish. Usually I turn it on and I'm like wrapping presents and I'm just like dancing to the music and singing to the songs and paying attention to when they're singing snow on the train, which is like one of my favorite scenes in any movie. Um, which you did with thrilling adventure hour last yeah. year. Uh, so anyways, yeah, sitting down and watching it from start to finish, it's not. It's not like a uh, great movie. (laughs) (laughs) Having said that, uh, I still cried at the end. Like you're a big old softy. When they're all, when the general comes in and he sees all of his whatevers, (laughs) the people who worked with him, the guys who worked with him, and he says thank you to them for for doing this for him, and he starts to cry. I'm just like a baby. I can't even breathe. And then they all come out. And they start singing White Christmas in the most beautiful costumes I've ever seen in my life (laughs) in front of the most beautiful tree with tinsel on it. And everybody uh, 
just looks and sounds amazing and it wins me over every time. Okay. I mean, I guess that's what you need from a Christmas movie, right? Yeah. Though I, I think there's more songs about being in the army than there are songs about Christmas in this movie. Uh, maybe there's two, I think. There's a really weird song of like, what does a general do when he can't be a general anymore? Oh, I don't think that's a weird song. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, I think that's still relevant, not necessarily just to generals, but we just don't do a great job in our of culture. Taking care of our veterans. Of taking care of our veterans or our old people, <laughs> the elderly. I'm being serious. Okay. Um, so I think I actually, I think that's a really sweet song. It's like, cause the, there's a whole plot to this, uh, plot point where he, tries to get back into the army. He's like in his seventies and he wants to get back into the army so that he can feel like he's doing something. Um, anyways, I don't know. I, I would just be happy running that. this beautiful inn in that's Vermont. making him go bankrupt. Nobody's <laughs> coming. So he wants to be useful. So he thinks, Oh, I'll go back into the army and that's where I was the most useful, but they don't, they don't accept him back. It's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's very sad. Uh, and it is a really nice thing that Bing Crosby's character does for him by reminding him that he has value. I, I love all the dance numbers. There's also, there, there's a thing that that's true of a lot of these, like, let's put on a show movies, which is you see this elaborate production number that goes on for 10 plus minutes, you know, and it's beautiful and everybody's in costumes and there's all this kick-ass dancing and then you pull out and it's just like okay great yeah we'll we'll work on that it's like oh this was a rehearsal i love that <laughs> i love yeah, you did it's, say that wasn't even the show it's not the show it's just them rehearsing for the show i love that though i think that's so funny yeah it's so strange <clears throat> and hilarious and just and just resonates with the time i think and how everything is just a for show. Yeah. Snow is a stone cold classic. Uh, Heck yeah. White Christmas stone cold classic. Sisters. Sisters is a cute little number. But yeah, there's probably about an hour and 20 minutes of movie in this two hour movie. Ah, uh, okay. Well, uh, what do you want to give it a grade? I'm going to give it a B. B. That's very nice. That's generous. For bong. For bong crispy. <laughs> For bong crispy. Um, I'm going to give it, uh, I'll give it a B plus. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, I'm still going to watch it every year. So just be prepared for that for the All next right. 50 years of your life. Will you last that long? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll let you guys know. Um, okay. Moving on to another one of my favorite. Oh, we, we do have to, I do have to mention this. I watch a lot of Christmas movies every year, including Christmas Story and Home Alone and Love Actually, <laughs> which people have a lot of opinions about Love Actually. And I totally understand. Uh, but those are other movies that I could have covered, but maybe we'll cover next year. Home Alone specifically is probably my next favorite Christmas movie. Or equal to these guys. I watch it every year. We we said on the last podcast we would do Christmas Vacation and uh, White, Christmas. White Christmas. And then you were like, oh, maybe I should do Home Alone. So when I uh, tweeted, I included a little gift from Home Alone. Right, which is going to throw some people off. It's going to throw some people off. But I think we want to do Home Alone as its own standalone episode. And I think we're going to have Mark Emma Jackson. <laughs> Since that's one of his top ten movies. Yeah, uh, So that'll be a future Carla's because list. Because we saw Mark. He came up to Portland 
last week and we were talking about it and he wants to do it. And he had actually showed us his phone when he was flying here. He was listening to the Home Alone soundtrack. What a weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, who's listening to soundtrack music on their phone while they're flying? But specifically, who's listening to the Home Alone score? Mark Evan Jackson. And I love it. And then he started to do all the quotes. He knows the whole movie. Better than you. Better than I do. Yeah. So I feel like we need to do that with him <clears throat> at some point. It's weird. Uh, I mean, Home Alone, I saw once on home video, like the year after it came out. Right. So never seen it again. Uh, did not stick in my brain at all. Christmas Story, I think I saw for the first time with you. Yeah. I did not grow up watching that movie either. Um, so I probably saw that for the first time within the last 10 years. Uh, it's very funny by the way. Um, the thing with the Christmas story is that my brother loved it. My brother had much better taste than I did growing up. My brother loved it and I did not like it. It freaked me out. It scared me for some reason. Really? Yeah. I just thought it was weird. But then when I was like a, a college student, I guess I started really getting into it and now I watch it every year Yeah, and I love it. But for me, Chris, I, I guess there is a Christmas movie on my list in the top ten, which I, should I know be, what it is. Should We've be obvious. Should yeah. be obvious. Which I've never seen. <laughs> so that so you haven't seen the ultimate Christmas movie. I've seen parts of it, but it's just it's just a Christmas Carol, right? <laughs> it's like he. Goes, you mean it's a Wonderful Life? Yeah, doesn't he like go and just see a alternate? Oh no, a Christmas Carol is when you he sees the past, I guess. He sees a future in this one, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, It's a Wonderful Life is what would the world be if you had never been born. Got it. That's different. It's a little right. different than Scrooge. Um, but even that I didn't see until I was in my 20s. Like, I didn't grow up watching that either. Um, oh, humbug. I like Miracle on 34th Street a lot. Oh, yeah. I like that too. That's a sweet movie. I've seen that one a lot. And But for me, Christmas was more like uh, The Grinch Rudolph, right? Uh, all the animated specials, Charlie yeah. Brown. Like I watched those year after year, um, and C- Christmas Carol, various versions of a Christmas Carol. Right. Okay. Cool. So, so this movie uh, that's coming up, I had never seen until we were together. This movie specifically is my Christmas childhood movie. Okay. Christmas Vacation. <laughs> National, National Lampoon's, Lampoon's Christmas, Christmas Vacation. Uh, we saw this in the theater, my brother, my mom, and my dad, and I. And I remember- 89. Yeah, I remember. So I was probably nine, I guess. Uh, and I just remember being in that movie theater and laughing so hard that I couldn't breathe. <laughs> and my parents laughing at the same stuff that- my brother and I were laughing at, like we were all laughing the whole time. And that's very unusual, at least for movies at that time. I mean, Pixar kind of uh, solved that problem, I think, for parents and kids. But at the time, there were not a lot of movies that both parents and kids could watch together and enjoy equally. Mm-hmm. And I just remember coming out of the movie thinking like, I can't believe that we all were laughing that much throughout the whole movie. Um, so that's my, that's my Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation. Every year after that, we watched it. We got it on VHS. Then we got it on, I bought it on DVD later when I was older. And, uh, I still watch it every single year. 
1989, I was 20 and I was watching Cinema Paradiso. Oh, barf. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, this is a uh, movie that was written. Written. Written by John Hughes, I believe. Yeah. The year before he wrote Home Alone. Which is great. Chris Columbus was actually supposed to direct Christmas Vacation, who he ended up directing Home Alone, but uh, he didn't. He and Chevy Chase did not get along. He did not like Chevy Chase, which is something surprise, surprise. Everybody kind of discovered years later, I guess, that Chevy Chase is a difficult person. You worked with Chevy Chase. I just sure did. What did you think? <laughs> he was very uh, cantankerous. Yeah. Now this is older Chevy Chase. Um, he, yeah, he was not around, uh, he was never around for his call time. Uh, you're talking about on community? On community. He would show up late. Uh, there was one scene we were waiting around for him all day to shoot. We shot around him, shot every other actor, and then finally he came in. He didn't know his lines, Ugh. you know? Um, I think by the end of his time on that show, um, that he really did like, uh, the cast and like, working with those people and i think they just kind of like grew to accept him as kind of like a cantankerous uncle mm-hmm. uh figure but i think that first season especially was was really tough especially for people who like grew up idolizing his comedy as i did like i was a huge chevy chase fan yeah though i looking at his uh filmography uh, I think I saw all the wrong ones <laughs> because I've never seen from start to finish Three Amigos. I love it so much. Did not did not see that in the theater, and I've seen bits and pieces on HBO. It's so weird to me that you do comedy and you and you're such a well regarded comedian. Comedian, am I? <laughs> yeah, you are, and like you haven't seen classics. <laughs> I'm really particular about comedy. Yeah. Uh, Caddyshack, I did not see until I was in my mid thirties. So mm-hmm. I did not watch that growing up either. The Chevy Chase movies I saw were like, Oh, Heavenly Dog. What? Foul Play. Seems like old times. Uh, modern Problems. Wow. Those are the ones. And Fletch. Fletch. Uh, yeah. Fletch for me was the shit. Like I saw that movie a couple dozen times, freaking loved it. I almost would hate to go back and watch it now because like that was. That was like the epitome of a comedy to me. And then I saw National Lampoon's Vacation, not in the theater, but on HBO probably and loved that movie. But I think around the time that this movie came out, I had maybe started to age out of uh, seeing silly comedies. So the first two vacation movies are just vacation and European vacation, correct? I believe so, yeah. Um, and I had seen those too. My parents let us watch the dirtiest shit. <laughs> Because I, vacation's definitely rated R. Yeah, like they're both pretty dirty. This one is probably PG thirteen because I think there's one F word in it. And yeah, they, but it's, but this one's much more family friendly. I yeah. think. Yeah, it's it. It feels like they shifted and made this movie <laughs> for the whole family to enjoy, whereas yeah. the private previous two were for for adults for sure. Um. Okay, so we came back the other night to watch this, and we had just had delicious. Dinner and food. Dinner food. We Wait, had delicious a, dinner food. We had had a delicious dinner at this place called Little Bird. If you're in Portland, that's the place to go. French style bistro. French style bistro. We each had three glasses of wine. Yep. 
and we came back and you opened a beer. Uh-huh. Perfect so conditions this is to watch this movie. <laughs> where we started. <laughs> so, um, oh, do I need to talk about this movie? Okay. So Christmas Vacation, ugh, it's just about Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> they're not even playing characters. They're, they're, uh, it's the Griswolds. They're the Griswolds. So they're inviting their, both of their parents, sets of parents over for the holidays because, uh, uh, Chevy Chase is, um, What's his name? Something Griswold? Clark Griswold. I almost said Chris. Clark Griswold uh, is determined to have the best Christmas holiday at his home and he's going to host. And that's kind of the the thing of all the vacation movies. It's like it's going to be the best vacation we've ever had. But this one he is hosting at his home in in the suburbs of Chicago. So, of course. As all John Hughes movies are set. Everything goes wrong. Like he can't, he just can't, uh, no matter how hard he tries to make things perfect, they kind of fall apart. Uh, so it's really just a comedy of errors, I think, the whole time. Um, yeah, that's the whole plot of the movie, right? <laughs> Did I miss something? No, not at all. I think... Uh... Which is like my favorite. There's no plot, but it's so interesting and funny the whole time. And various relatives show up, you know, all sets of grandparents and, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins and everything. Yeah. I think you come from a much bigger family than I do. Yeah. And I imagine that your holidays were more full of just like dozens and dozens of relatives right. like piling into the house. Yes, totally. Uh, and I never really had holiday experiences like that. Gotcha. We would go to visit my grandparents sometimes, but it, d- it didn't have that chaotic feeling. Uh, but I imagine you could relate to that. Yeah. Well, on my dad's, on my mom's side, she has three brothers and sisters and they all have kids. And then on my dad's side, he has eight brothers and sisters and they all have kids. Yeah. So it was, yeah, every holiday was very full for sure. Um, so we sit down and start watching it and Craig yells, are you taking notes? <laughs> And I said, yes, I'm taking notes. And those were actually the first notes that I took. <laughs> Very meta. Yes. Very um, meta. Oh, we're doing Craig's quotes now. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> so he asked. <laughs> We've me, already played the Craig's quotes theme. But the Craig's quotes aren't really quotes. They're just like you asking me questions and talking. <laughs> just me being a know-it-all smartass. Kind of. Or not really saying anything. You mm-hmm. don't really talk a lot. Uh, so you said, how many times have you seen this? And then I asked you, how old am I? And then I figured out how old I was. So I said, maybe 30 times. <laughs> and you said every year since you were seven. And I said, well, more like multiple times in the early years. <laughs> I probably have seen it 30 times. You think there probably is not a Christmas that's gone by that you haven't seen at least some of at it. At least some of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So then we were laughing and watching the movie. And then you asked me, what was your favorite thing we ate tonight? <laughs> <laughs> And then we talked about the chocolate cake that we had. Oh, man. It's so good. Um, um, Oh, and then you said Jeremiah Chechnik. I'd be surprised if Jeremiah Chechnik directed another movie. So I guess that's the director. Yeah, it's just rare that uh, when you know the the name comes up at the end of the credits of the director, that it's somebody that you name that you've never ever heard of. And I was like Jeremiah Chechnik. Yeah. Though looking him up, he did do. Thank you for doing that. Uh, he did do a few other movies. This was the first movie he directed. Uh, now he works mostly in TV. Oh. 
Uh, he also did Benny in June. Oh, yeah. Which I've never seen, but that was a pretty well-known movie, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I it would just, the name really threw me for a loop. Um, sorry, Jeremiah, if you're listening, sorry, I just, Jeremiah. I just wasn't familiar with your name or your work before this movie. Uh, so, and it, and it seems like Ivan Reitman, John Landis, John Hughes were the guys who did a lot of these types of movies, right. you know, but Chris this is Columbus. the late eighties. Yeah. This isn't. Yeah. So it's like kind of everything shifting, I think. Um, it moved from the, the Reitman era into the Chechnik era. <laughs> well, I just mean in terms of the kind of humor in these movies. Again, like n- the next year Home Alone came out and that was 100% like kids movie. Kids movie, But that was really funny. And I do think I went to see that with my parents. and I remember they laughed a lot at that, too. Yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, so they're driving uh, to go pick up a Christmas tree. And they're driving through mountains and Craig said, oh, yeah, these famous mountains right outside of Chicago. Where the fuck is this supposed to take place? (laughs) It's clearly in Colorado. Is it? Yeah. It was shot in Breckenridge, Colorado, those outdoor parts. Yeah. Wow. Probably Um, because they need something with snow and with uh, pine trees. Right. Uh, And then when you saw Juliet Lewis... You said, this is just two years before Cape Fear. That's crazy. So her dad was famous, huh? I guess her dad was an actor. I don't know if he was famous. Okay. Um, she used to come into the Starbucks that I worked at. Really? <laughs> yeah. What would she get? I don't remember. She would always flirt with this guy that I worked with. Um, anyway, she was very nice. Okay, that's good. Uh, that was... 12 years ago, 15 years ago. Okay. Uh, and then you said, I mean, that's clearly Colorado. Like you were just not let it go. <laughs> and I was like, please stop saying that you're ruining this part. Um, I've always said, I can always tell when it's Colorado on screen. <laughs> then you asked me, does your dad like this movie? And I was like, Oh, so much. <laughs> my dad loves this movie. This is my dad's sense of humor. Perfectly. Yes. Um, and then you asked me this and it really bugged me. Uh oh. You said, how is Russ younger in this movie than he was six years before in the other one? And I was like, Craig, in the vacation movies, Audrey and Russ are always played by different actors and they never really age. Sometimes he's older and sometimes she's younger and it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> All right. If you say so. <laughs> like, I can't believe you didn't know that. <laughs> Why would I know? This is the second vacation movie I've seen. In my mind, Anthony Michael Hall is always my Rusty. No. That is incorrect. (laughs) They always are different ages and actors, which is what's so freaking funny about Uh it. What if like uh, you saw Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and Harry Potter was 28? (laughs) (laughs) Like that's, that's just how it is. Harry different. Potter is not – he doesn't age one year for every year at Hogwarts. But the story is about Harry Potter. <laughs> the Griswolds aren't Audrey and Russ. They are just there to kind of heighten <clears throat> the the comedy of how stupid Clark is, you know? They're meant to be the stereotypical middle America exactly. uh, family with a boy and a girl. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um uh, Fair enough. Thank you. So Julie, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in this movie. She sure is. She plays the snobby neighbor. 
Those poor yuppies. Those poor yuppies who live next door to these hicks. They're the brunt of all the jokes. I mean, you can definitely tell it's an 80s movie because it's like, you fucking hate these people, right? Look Look at these smug yuppies with their nice clothes and their nice dining room. Don't you just want them to get shit and... Uh, get, get have a, yeah. a squirrel bite them in the face, and they're like in the same genre of people that um, uh, Catherine O'Hara is in Beetlejuice, yes. like all black, like surrounded by sculptures, and you know, coastal elites. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, she's very. They're both very funny. Who's that guy? Do you know who that guy is? No idea. Me either. I don't think he ever did anything else. Um. <laughs> I can't remember the joke now. <laughs> oh, okay. So Jimmy Chase comes out of his garage with his chainsaw. Yeah. Because they've dug up the tree because they, he forgot to bring a saw. So they had to dig up the tree to bring home. So he has to cut the tree in his uh, driveway. And the neighbors see him and the, the guy neighbor is like, uh, what do you, hey, hey, Clark, what are you going to do with that, with that saw? And Clark says, why don't you turn around and I'll show you. <laughs> and then the guy goes, you can't talk like that to me. And he, and Chevy Chase goes, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me laugh so hard. Uh, it's so funny. But then Craig said, uh, <laughs> Uh, he was going to put that tree up her ass <laughs> like you didn't like the joke or something. I mean, isn't that what it's implying? Yes, which is so funny because <laughs> her face is just like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, and I was just and then I started laughing and you said that's terrible, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> Real nice, Carla. Joke about putting a Christmas tree up a woman's ass. It's so funny to me. Epitomizes your sense of humor. Every time I see that scene, I can't help but laugh so hard. Because you at first think, oh, that's mean that he just said that to the guy. But then he's like, JK, I'm talking to your wife. So funny. And their faces. Oh, this says so much about who you are. Um. Oh, okay. So he's covered in sap. (laughs) <laughs> from this tree mm-hmm. and then he they have a great scene with him and beverly d'angelo in bed which every time i see the scene i just cannot stop thinking about how old she is because she's like a year older than i am and that feels so crazy to me um anyways uh so he's like <laughs> saying good night and <laughs> he turns the page of the magazine and it rips out because he has sap and then he goes to turn off <laughs> lamp and his hand gets stuck to the shade and then he goes to kiss her and his hand gets stuck to her hair and you laughed really hard (laughs) you thought that was really funny look say what you will about chevy he is a supreme physical comedian yeah like but also in addition to like just being he uses his body so well and he does these these physical bits his his whole demeanor, like he can just throw away a laugh line, like so easily. Of like he's just, and I think we talked about uh, the kind of the Bill Murray '80s comic persona a little bit. I don't think on this podcast. I think it might have been off mic with yeah. Paul. Um, 
but it, it's interesting that like Bill Murray and Chevy Chase kind of do, do epitomize like the smug, like eighties asshole right. <laughs> type. And it's kind of weird that that was a comic persona. It was a time where America was kind of like jingoistic and full of itself. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, that's who our comedy heroes at the time were these guys just acting like assholes. But the Clark Griswold character is always kind of the butt of the joke, yeah. you know? So of like, it is Chevy being kind of smarmy and full of himself. But Clark is always kind of the target and it, it works really well. Yeah. I think. Agreed. He, he always comes off like the idiot, <laughs> but he's got a, a, a kind heart, that Clark. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, so then, uh, we go downtown cause, um, Chevy has to go shopping for Christmas. And you said, now that's Chicago. That's right where I used to work. Water Tower. Every time we see Water Tower, either in a movie or a TV or when we were there, you always have to say that. You have to remind me that you worked at Water Tower. I did. I did work at Water Tower Place. <laughs> I worked at a deli called DB Kaplan's. Um, oh, no. I. This isn't when he was shopping. I think he was at work here. Because then... <laughs> There's this really funny part where they're talking, he's talking with his coworker about their bonuses that they're hoping to get. And all of the clients come in and they're like going through one by one walking into the boss's office or coming out of the boss's office. And, uh, Chevy's at first like, hello, hello, hello. And then he says, kiss my ass, kiss her ass, kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny. Uh, repetition. Okay. Um, oh, then we had a nice long conversation about how the guy who plays Russ in this has more money than anybody else in this movie. <laughs> Johnny Galecki, Big Bang Theory, yeah. and Roseanne. Yep. That yeah. guy's got more money than God. More money than God. Uh, and he's great in this. Um, he's really funny. I, he's actually my favorite Rusty. Sorry, Anthony Michael. He all. AMH, always be my Rusty. <laughs> um, I like him because he's not dumb. He's like really, f- he's like very smart in this and on, he's like, he makes fun of Clark. Whereas I think Anthony Michael Hall was very kind of like stereotypical teenager, like horny teenager. I don't know. I think we'd have to go back and watch the original vacation. Right. I'm actually curious to see it because it's probably been 30 years since I've seen it. Oh my, you're so old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, then I had a panic attack because we were drunk and I lost my notes in my phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Similar to your panic attack when you thought you'd lost right. uh, your notes from White Christmas right. earlier on this no, episode? No, but this one, I saw it in the deleted folder. Uh-huh. But then I realized you can pull stuff out of the deleted folder. You can. So I accidentally deleted the notes and then I got them back. And then I looked up and it was that scene where he's in the attic watching the old home movies and he's wearing a turban. And I said, I have that turban because I do. (laughs) Um, Oh, and then there's this great part where Julie Louis-Dreyfus, they're like, they just went on a run or something and they're drinking water bottles. Uh They're drinking Evian. Is that how you say it? Evian? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we had a great conversation about how... That's probably when like water bottles started to become really big in the late 80s, right? I would say that's even before they were like prevalent. Again, of like, it's like a very 80s comedy signifier of like, these people are fucking idiots (laughs) because they they drink Evian out of a bottle, you know? 
Uh, and now everybody drinks. Well, I remember a time bottles. when you would go to a theme park and it was probably around this time and all I needed was water. I just wanted water, but it was all Coke and Sprite yeah. in all of the machines. And then I remember like a couple years later going and wanting water and there were just water bottle machines everywhere. The bottled water industry is the, uh, the biggest scam yeah. <laughs> that this country has ever perpetrated on the world. Ugh. And all that plastic, ugh, let's not go down that hole. <laughs> okay, um, so you said, so Diane Ladd's supposed to be Clark's mom because she's eight years older than he is. That's very weird, yeah. And then I, I got really upset and yelled at you, don't tell me these things, you're ruining this movie. Um, so you don't want to know that Bing Crosby's 25 years older than no. Clark Clooney. You want to know that Clark's no, mom is eight years older know. than him. Yeah. Uh, oh, so who plays Eddie's wife? What's the actress's name? Miriam Flynn. Okay. So when we, when you went to the 50th anniversary for Second City and I was your date, <laughs> we were in a bus going to the theater from the hotel with a bunch of Second City alum and she was in the bus. Yeah. And I fucking lost my mind. <laughs> I like, Okay. I also saw Catherine O'Hara that weekend and I lost, I really lost my mind then. But this was like when I saw her in the bus, I could not stop talking about Christmas vacation to you. <laughs> and I was like, I have no idea who she is and I don't, I don't care. And all yeah. I wanted to do, we sat like two rows behind her and I just wanted to hear about what she was talking about the whole time. <laughs> she was very nice. Yeah. Like I briefly met her. Did you think she was talking about Randy Quaid? I was hoping. What a, what a crazy asshole he is. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I seriously flipped when we walked into the bus. Um, there were several people that weekend that made me flip, but she was one of them. Sure. Eugene Levy. Was that was, a, that was a big deal going to the Second City 50th. Yeah, it was nice that you took me. We saw Stephen Colbert yep. and what's his face? Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Do a sketch, which was incredible. Uh, who else was there? Well, they had a whole, Bonnie Hunt. they had a reunion of SCTV. And that's, that was like the highlight for me. Yeah. And that was maybe a year or two before Harold Ramis died. Yeah. So Harold Ramis was still around then. So he was there. Eugene Levy, Dave Thomas. Uh, it was basically everyone except the, the Rick late Moranis. John Candy and Rick Moranis who doesn't participate in those things. Everybody else from SCTV, Martin Short. Yeah. Andrew Martin. Incredible. Martin Short stole my seat. Do you remember that? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I got so mad. I went to go get a drink and like the seats were hard to find. <laughs> and I came back and Martin Short was sitting in my seat. What are you, you going to do? I know. Nothing. I didn't do anything. I just stood behind him and stared at the back of his head. <laughs> um, and I met Catherine O'Hara. Highlight this of your life. This is the second time I'd met her. Oh, okay. The first time a friend of mine snuck me into... <laughs> I forget what cartoon it was. She was doing a voice for something and I met her then, but this was much cooler because I had just watched her perform and she walked past me and I grabbed her <laughs> and I said, Catherine, I love you so much. I'm so sorry to bother you, but I love you so, so much. Can I have a picture with you? Yeah, and you took the picture. I did. And it was awesome. And she was very sweet, but she was like, I had clearly she was like walking out and people were bugging her. <laughs> yes. You had crossed a boundary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she was very nice. She wasn't rude at all. And she would totally pose for the picture. But do we still have that picture? Yeah, we should put it up. I also got one with Eugene Levy. I think the night before that, where 
I recognized his brother. <laughs> so I started talking to his brother. And then at the end of the conversation, I was like, hey, I know this is weird. But do you think when Eugene comes out, you could get him to get a picture with me? Oh, shameless. And I did. It worked. <laughs> so I have those two pictures. Uh, and you watch Shit's Creek to this day? I love day. it. I yeah. love it. We're I both, those guys. We're both currently reading the book Improv Nation. Uh, and I am up t- at the uh, era of when Second City Toronto is getting founded. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm getting the or- I'm origin stories of all those guys. And it's very interesting. That's really cool. Uh, okay. So anyways, saw Miriam Flynn. Is that her name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Made me very happy. Um, I'm really not a star fucker, though. I like really don't get excited with celebrities. So if I talk about it, it's a big deal to me. <laughs> yes. There's only a handful of people that you would freak out. Yeah about um okay we live in la we're numb to it but juliet lewis comes into our starbucks I mean, it's, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's no biggie gross <laughs> uh okay so then you asked about julia louis dreyfus do you think she won an emmy for this <laughs> <laughs> and i said yes because she's earned an emmy for every acting performance she's ever given even if it didn't appear on tv um she has 58 emmys <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to I'd have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Oh, and then you got you were really stuck on this whole Audrey thing. <sighs> and you were like, Jane Kirk- Kirkowski, isn't that her character? And I said, Ugh, don't you understand how these movies work? <laughs> no, but that I re- they actually had lines to cover why the they older did. daughter yeah. was not there. Yeah, yeah, later on. So the Clark's kids are interchangeable, but Eddie's kids <laughs> are set in are stone. Are set in stone. And I guess I never saw the Vegas vacation, but I think Jane Krakowski comes back in does Vegas she? Vacation. Okay. I believe she does. I could be wrong about that, but I believe she does. Um okay. Uh so they have that scene where he puts on this like really like greasy stuff to make his sled go super fast. <laughs> and uh it's very funny. Anyways but you got really upset and said there are no hills like that in Illinois. <laughs> and I said, really? Because I went skiing in Illinois. And then I said, wait, maybe that was Indiana, which it was. I realized later it was Indiana. Even skiing in Indiana, like that's not going to be. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> it's not the Alps. Um. Oh, the shitter's full scene is really funny to me. And you were so grossed out. <laughs> it was gross. Yeah. <laughs> shitter's full. <laughs> Eddie's like, yeah, cleaning out his tank septic tank and uh into the whatever the street yeah (laughs) and clark looks out and he's just like shitter's full it's so funny maybe that i'm running out of steam (laughs) (laughs) maybe that created your lifelong love for tiny houses maybe (laughs) um so walmart is everywhere in this movie but it was before walmart was even a thing and you said this is definitely before i knew what walmart was I think the first Walmart that I was familiar with, uh, the one open up maybe in maybe around this time or maybe early '90s in Virginia, but I think it was mostly a Midwest thing. I mean, they started in Arkansas, right? I don't so they know. weren't necessarily all over the country at this point. Um, after this, we decided to take some gummy marijuana things. Okay. And I didn't take notes. <laughs> <laughs> but then they, we, don't, they don't need to know that. But then we finished it the next morning. And so Eddie, so Clark doesn't get his raise. 
So Eddie goes and grabs his boss. Brian Doyle Murray. Brian Doyle, Doyle Murray, who's hilarious in this. Oh, but before that, so when Eddie's gone getting the boss, kidnapping the boss, a squirrel comes in. <laughs> or he, no, the, the cat chews on the lights. Yeah. The cat, the the whole tree goes into flames because the uncle sets it on fire with a cigar. <laughs> yes. So he goes and he chops down a tree in the yard. Anyways, he has a nervous breakdown, Clark Griswold, and he has this incredible speech that I'm going to read for you right now. Please. Uh, because everybody's like, we're going to go now. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no. We're in this all together. This is a full-blown, four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on, and we're going to have the hap-hap-happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap danced with Danny fucking K. <laughs> and when Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney tonight, he's going to find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nut house. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the best speech of all time <laughs> it's great it's really funny and again like chevy chase is so good at just like kind of throwing away a speech like that but oh, like still so investing funny. in it of like he just he's got incredible comic timing oh so good and the fact that he's referencing the other movie that we did is so weird which i totally forgot about until we watched it and i was like oh there's a theme i got very excited um oh and then so the uh, their great aunt and uncle come in and the actress is betty boop like yeah may may questel and olive oil yeah you said yeah yeah um but you laughed the hardest this is the when you laughed the hardest when Chevy Chase takes off Uncle Lewis's hat and <laughs> and his toupee and his toupee comes off with it and Chevy Chase for the next couple of minutes is trying to get his toupee back to him yeah. without him noticing that it's gone. Classic bits. It's really funny. It, again, it really is. I'm reacting on how Chevy Chase is playing the moment. Like it's a dumb joke. And according, you know, you could have the wrong actor mugging it up too much in that moment, mm -hmm. but he just plays it perfectly and he makes it so funny, you know? Uh, another part that we both laughed out, laughed at, LOL'd at, um, is when the cops come in to get Brian Doyle Murray. <laughs> they like break into the house and they tell them all to freeze and Beverly D'Angelo <laughs> goes to shake Brian Doyle Murray's wife's hand and, uh, and she says, welcome to our home. And she shakes her hand or what, or what's left of it. And she puts her hand back and you realize it's on Chevy Chase's penis. Yes. <laughs> you could say crotch, I think. <laughs> that, on his balls? That, penis implies his penis is out. But yeah, he's wearing, he's wearing pants. And she puts her hand on his, right on his, on his crotch area. Yes. Giant penis. Did you I don't know if it's giant. Did you read about that? <laughs> yeah, that she improvised that, right? Yeah. And was hoping that it would get through. And they chose that take, they of chose, course. They just it's, did it once. It was so funny. And her yeah. timing, again, is so great because it's on his crotch. She shakes the woman's hand. Welcome to our home or what's left of it. And then she just very slowly puts her hand back on his penis. On his penis. <laughs> 
She's very good too. She's so good. Yeah. She's again very natural and real and you really feel like they're a real married couple. Well, here's the thing about this movie. The only reason it ultimately works and it feels like a full story is because you believe their relationship. And at the heart of all of this crazy behavior or is like a married couple that really loves each other. Yeah. And loves their family. And so there's a lot of heart to this movie, I think. Um in a way that you don't necessarily get with slapstick comedy all the time. John Hughes kind of also has his finger on like Midwestern nice a little bit that there is kind of like this undercurrent of rage underneath. Yeah. <laughs> this uh kind of friendly Midwestern persona. So then they go out front. Everything turns out okay. They go out front. Um, and they look up at, out in the yard and they look up, all of them look up in the sky and it's like this beautiful, I don't know, it's beautiful sky, right? And it's the northern lights, you think, right? Cause you see, <laughs> it looks like it, yeah. How can you see the northern lights in the suburbs of Chicago? And then Uncle Lewis is like, that's not the North Star Clark. That's, uh, the sewer. <laughs> What was it? The sewer. Yeah, it's like gas fumes from yeah, the ga- sewage the plant fumes, or something. Right. Yeah. And uh he goes to light a cigar and because earlier Eddie was releasing all of his sewage into that area. Anyways, he throws the match down and he shoots up into the air. He's okay. Uncle Lewis is okay. But then the Santa figurines that are sitting in the lawn with the reindeer and Rudolph go shooting into the air and it looks like Santa's flying over them. Yeah. And (laughs) it's so funny. So Aunt Bethany who's the Betty Boop lady starts singing the Star Spangled Banner and they all just start singing the Star Spangled Banner together. Cause she had, when she was asked to do grace earlier, she did the pledge of allegiance. Yes. So it's a continuation of that. Joke. Yes. Yeah. And it is so funny cause they all take it so seriously <laughs> and it makes me laugh so hard. And as I was laughing and really enjoying the movie in that moment, Craig said, this is the weirdest fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to get that in since you say that for all of my movies. <laughs> uh, it perfectly fits my sense of humor. Um, uh, yep, that's it. So then at the very end, and this is something I had never really noticed before. At the very end, everybody goes inside and Clark did a good job. They had a great Christmas and he's just standing there looking up and the camera pans back and that dog that's bugging him the whole movie is just sitting at his feet, staring up at him <laughs> at his penis, at his penis. It's really <laughs> funny. Um, and again, very cute and heartfelt. It's weird. It's equal parts heart and equal parts weird heart and fart heart and fart. I love it so much. What are you going to give the grade? I'm going to give the grade of B+. <laughs> no. What am I supposed to give it? This is an A movie, Craig Kikowski. <laughs> Come on. I thought B+, was pretty generous. It's perfect. What's wrong with it? Okay, maybe the thing in the mall where he's like staring at the lady's <laughs> leg is weird. Well, yeah. Or like the weird Hawaii song, uh, Melikilikinaka. <laughs> When he, he's watching the model jump into the pool that he's imagining. Well, I mean, that's a whole continuation of the Christy Brinkley thing I know. from Vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Which is strange. Um, 
Besides that, though, what's wrong with it? I mean, nothing's wrong with it. It's a B plus. It's a. Uh... You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sense of humor is a little broad and slapsticky for me. Oh. Uh, I mean, it's it's silly, you know. That the uh, I mean the uh, the uncle doesn't die in the gas explosion, you know. If like it's a cartoon, it's Uncle Lewis though. <laughs> We'd be so sad if he died because he's he's the truth teller. But the cat the cat burns up, but the uncle doesn't. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I that's mean, you got you got to admit, like the the no. sense of humor is pretty broad. Yeah, it? that's what's so great about it, though. It's uh, perfect. Uh. I'm rewatching both of these movies. Christmas Vacation is a great movie. White Christmas is an okay movie with really fun scenes. I think B plus is is pretty generous on All my right. part. I'm gonna stick to my guns and say it's an A movie. Okay. Are we done? Uh are we not gonna improvise? Oh right. What do you want to improvise? Um What should we do? Uh well, who do you want to be? <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> um, well, uh, how about, uh, well, who's Bing Crosby's character from White Christmas? Yeah, you can be him. I don't know his name off the top of my head. Okay, I'll be Bing Crosby and you be Clark Griswold. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> Clark here. Uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas there, pal. Looks like a real nice clam bake you got going here. Yeah, I've been baking clams all day. Uh, well, I'm going to take a pass on one of those clams. Maybe I'll have a nice martini. You have the most beautiful blue eyes I've ever seen in my life. Well, say that, pal. That's kind of an awkward thing to say. Uh, here, have a have a clam. Whoa, 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 slipping, sliding everywhere. Whoops. Well, I gotta say that, uh, that slapsticky pratfall, a little broad for my tastes. I don't know. It felt pretty genuine to me. Say that, Clark. You ever, you ever serve in the army? Uh, funny enough, I, I have. Well, really, what war were you in, Beth? I was in, uh, the war against Christmas. <laughs> war against Christmas. Not familiar with that. I one. won. When was that? Uh, 1992. <clears throat> well, I served in the Korean War. That can't be right. With uh, with all the guys from MASH. You're a little old <laughs> <laughs> to have served in the Korean War. Um, I'm actually quite young. I'm dating a 26-year-old. <laughs> uh, well, um, not sure how I ended up at your house here, pal, but... Um, well, welcome. Merry Christmas. Well, have some be... eggnog. Oh, 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 oh. Well, he's slipping on the eggnog. <laughs> Melakalikimaka. Wait. Are you the Bing Crosby who da- who tap danced with Danny fucking K? No, sorry, pal. You got me confused with someone else. I'm Bong Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do a Chevy Chase. <laughs> that was so hard. That was pretty good. Whatever. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> the list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>